Hey there, it's Crazy Pastor's Wife Lisa, and this is my third episode of The Crazy Pastor's Wife. And I am excited, but a little nervous because my friend, my best friend, Leslie Gustafson Dowd, was, um, I was really wanting her to do the third episode, but she couldn't do it. And the Lord just kept nudging me that it's my turn to go. So I am going to share with you my story of being a crazy pastor's wife um, for the last 45 years. And um, the kind of the cool thing about having your own podcast, like if it's terrible, I can just delete it. So if you're listening to this, I guess maybe it wasn't as terrible and I'm letting everyone else into my world and to listen to this. But um, I started this out of just a desire to um, allow pastor's wives, people in ministry, women in ministry that um, need to have a voice and to speak to what uh, their life has been and the middle part and where it is now and kind of their relationship with as being um, a woman uh, in ministry, being um, a, a minister's wife and what that's kind of looked like, and then the relationship with the church. And I know for me, that has been, of course, complicated at times, but for the most part, I'd have to say, I have really um, loved my journey of being a ministry wife and being just in ministry, period. So I usually start out by um, asking people where, um, how they, uh, met Jesus. So I will start with that then there and just um, take off from there. I was, uh, when I was 11 years old, I was living in the San Fernando Valley, which was a great place to live during that time in the um, 60s. And um, I, uh, I'll never forget this particular night. I was kind of in trouble and my mom was mad at me. And I think I was um, she was continuing to, um, there'd been a pause and, uh, she went to go to the phone and, um, she started, um, screaming and my, found out that my brother had been in a terrible car accident and come to find out later that he was hit by a drunk driver in his 1956 Chevy turquoise and white. And, um, he, uh, it's interesting because he had just taken out the seatbelts that day to wash them. And he, so they, they weren't in the car. He didn't have them on and, um, he got hit and thrown from the car. Um, and while he was in a coma for 10 days before he did pass, um, this church, he had found Christ about two months before, um, before he was in this accident. And he was just kind of getting his footing into knowing what it was to, to be a believer. And so we didn't really know about that, but um, the church that he had found Christ in came around our family, and that was Van Nuys Baptist Church. So while we were in the hospital, they came, and uh, I remember my dad going before the church and talking about how, how the whole thing was going with my brother and um, we all went forward to accept Christ and 
then he passed and um, we continued going, but it became a real uh, difficult time for my parents, as you can imagine. Um, 99, 90% of parents that lose a child um, do not survive their marriage. So I'm happy to say that my parents did, but it was not an easy road. And I, um, I, so we stopped going at, after about a year, just my, my parents were discouraged and we stopped going. And then about a year later, my mom said, you know, we, where do you want to go to church? And I said that big old church there in Van Nuys Baptist. And so we went that Sunday and, um, I went to Sunday school and I connected with Leslie Gustafson Dowd and, um, that, and then that night, I actually went forward um, on my own and um, accepted Christ. And I remember it very, very distinctly about, um, <laughs> gosh, just an incredible freedom that I felt um, when I asked Christ to come in and forgive me. And um, I just felt like a new person. And I was experiencing some things in junior high and some bullying and things like that. I didn't really, I didn't, you, you don't know it was bullying back then, but that's what it was. And so this was just, gave me a whole new group of friends and just such, um, such an amazing um, experience that, that I began to have in this church. And it was just wonderful. Um, so when I was... 13, I met Denny Balesi, my husband, and um, he was older. He was um, 17 at the time, and um, I just thought it was the cutest thing ever. And um, so we actually, I always say we fell in love over a water fight um, because I was, I would kind of hang around. He, he worked at the day camp during the summer, and I would hang around with a friend and um, Carla Purdy, and we would go and, and hang out, and the guys were there, and we would always have water fights and all that, but we did not have our first date until I was 16, and he was a leader in the youth group, and he um, actually, our, our youth pastor, Grendel, went to him and said, Denny, you can't date the high school girls, so we um, had to press pause and Actually, I thought we'd probably never date again. In fact, yeah, he actually said we would never date again. <laughs> um, he broke up at me with me at Hume Lake um, uh, camp. And um, but after I graduated from high school, and um, we both had taken missions trips, and sure enough, we started dating again, and I was so happy. And ab about, um, I guess it was a year and a half later, we got married. I had just turned nineteen. And um, so he was, he was then now the, he ran the high school group and he was uh, the leader there. And so I was a ministry wife and it was, um, I loved it so much. It was just so fun. And so uh, I loved working with high school kids, even though I wasn't that long out of high school. And it was uh, just something that um, was perfect, a perfect fit for me in regards to just being able to, um, uh, they were so interested in, in really knowing how to grow in Christ. And we were able to do so many, you know, fun things that, 
that brought people, kids together and kept them out of trouble and, you know, brought, we were a family and it was really a wonderful thing. And if you talk to the people that were in that youth group, which there were so many, um, you know, they, there are a lot of great stories that, uh, will come across over the next few months that, um, and years that I have this podcast, but it's, uh, so then Denny was getting a little restless and decided he wanted to go to seminary. And I was, um, not excited about that. And I was happy with his salary and I was happy with where we lived and that we were near our family. And why doesn't he just go to seminary somewhere close like Talbot or something, but he started looking at Denver seminary and, um, I, I, we went and, uh, uh, it was, um, I remember we we just went to go visit and I remember crying because I knew God was calling us there and I really wasn't going to be able to get out of it. But sure enough, uh, so I so about I I don't know, six months later, I guess we finally went just a short little story here. Um, So Denny, um, I, I went ahead and got an apartment and Denny stayed back and he loaded up this this big um huge truck that was owned by my dad. And he, um, he's not a good loader. He's not a good, like when you load the car, no, uh, no, he, he doesn't do the whole Tetris thing. You know, he doesn't, um, really know how to do that. So anyway, we, um, I wasn't there and he was with one of the high school guys that had just graduated, Tom Knapp, and they loaded the car loaded this big trailer and hooked it on to our friend's car and Denny was behind him and the car started, um, they had only gotten a mile away from their 1300 mile trip to Denver. And the trailer started swinging from side to side, um, on the five lanes of the 101 freeway. And it just went back and forth about three times and then it finally just broke off and rolled across the five. Now, mind you, we had everything in there and um, it busted off the side of the um, freeway and just, you know, busted the back door and it just everything we owned was out onto um, the side of the freeway. And I remember getting the phone call when I was in Denver, but um Denny sat on the side of the road and with my dad and his dad and cried his eyes out. And they, you know, he, he always had a little bit of a question of whether he should even go. He was a little nervous about it. And both my parents, both our dads just said, hey, you get, you get back in the car and we will take care of this. And they sent them on their way. And, um, so we went through three years of seminary, and Denny got his master's in divinity, and um, super proud of him. He was he was a senior class president <laughs> of the seminary, and so he gave the um, uh, the message. I remember when we uh, when he graduated, but I earned my PhD, which maybe you've never heard of that, but they gave us actually cert- certificates, and they were. Um, it was uh, putting hubby through. Those were our uh, certificates that we got, that I got um, at the end of it. So I kind of felt like I earned something too, which um, uh, was 
was sweet and really um, just a, a neat memory for, for us. We had our first baby. We had Brooke, and uh, that was a, an amazing um, place to be with all those seminary wives and everything to, to have kids and to live life together. Um, from there, we, we went on to several ministries, Youth for Christ, and then um, a church called Calvary Community in Thousand Oaks. And that church, actually, we loved, and it was so amazing. And Larry and Becky DeWitt were absolute mentors for us. And um, they sent us off after five years. I then, ooh, I skipped one. In San Diego, I had my our second daughter, which was Natalie. And um, it was so neat to have, you know, two girls. I kind of thought I'd be a mom, um, um, a, a boy mom. But um, I kind of thought I'd be that boy mom with the four boys or whatever. But um, but it was ended up being like the perfect thing to have girls. Um, and I'll get into that a little later. But uh, God knew exactly what we needed and and what um, the mom that I was to be. Um, but uh, Calvary actually sent us off to start a church um, in in Dana Point called coast hills which is where such a big part of my life started i loved being in youth ministry that was so great but denny uh after about three years being at calvary he was like hey i think i want to be a senior pastor and i was like no i'm not ready for that and so he gave me a couple years and then it was obviously god's perfect timing that's a very great story but um too long to tell today um but we uh, ended up connecting with people here in Orange County, and we, uh, I think it was October 6, 1985, we started Coast Hills, and it was, um, I kind of had my senior pastor wife hat on for the first time, and it was, uh, I loved it. It was a really great experience, and uh we, uh, the, our, I remember our first service, we had like 200 people there. Everybody who like owed us a favor came. Everybody came from Thousand Oaks and all that. And then the next week there were like 40. And, uh, but that was okay. We, we had, we just grew from there and um, something started really wonderful. I uh, had a little dream of, um, I remember I, let's see, this was before I became a senior pastor's wife. When we were at Calvary, I uh, was 26, and um, I, I'll never forget, I was with my mom. I took her out for her 60th birthday, and I, she said, you know what? Here I am, 60 years old. I always wanted to be a dancer, and I never was, and I, I remember right where I was on the freeway driving home thinking, ah, I don't want to say that when I'm 60. I, I've always wanted to be a dancer, and um she actually was a dancer. She danced with the Hollywood uh, Canteen um, back in uh, during World War II. That's where she and my dad met. But uh, she wanted to be a professional dancer. So anyway, um, I told a friend of mine, um, Bobby Tauber, who owned a dance studio, I told her my dream. And she was so gracious and gave me a... Um, uh, a scholarship uh, where she allowed me to start taking dance and I started with tap uh, that seemed the safest 
And then it wasn't long before I was taking jazz. And then it wasn't long before I was taking ballet. And I was, you know, by that time I was taking ballet with all these nine-year-old, you know, girls. <laughs> Um, I had all these nine-year-old friends, and um, but it didn't stop me. I was so determined and so excited to, to just, you know, be doing this. I had two little kids running around at the time, and so I um, spent uh, a lot of nights out in the garage. I would get the cars out of the garage, and I would go do Sinead turns and work and work and work and work. And after about a year, she asked, Bobby asked me to start teaching. So I started teaching and here I was 27 at the time. And it was really just, just the sweetest time for me. Um, the girls, my girls started dancing. That kind of goes back to why God gave us girls. Um, because, you know, it was just easier for them to um, kind of fall into that. Um, there's boys that dance too. That's wonderful. But um, but the girls just kind of naturally fell into it and they would hang out at the studio with me. And uh, we, um, we loved, uh, I loved being able to be with them and be able to teach them later in life. But when we moved out to, um, I started doing choreography and working for Continental Singers and, and different, um, different organizations and doing choreography for them. And then we moved, when we moved to Dana Point, I thought, well, maybe that was just a fluke and I'll just start taking class. So I started taking class at a studio down here and my girls were taking class. And um, after about six months, they asked me to start teaching. So I started um, teaching pre-ballet and it was just great. I ended up um, teaching jazz and, and, um, hip hop and um, things that just uh, was a, an experience that I've carried on and ended up um, continuing to be able to do. I, would, I was actually a dance teacher for about 30 years. But um, being a part of church, being a part of being a senior pastor's wife, that was um, something that was uh, uh, really never a big deal, although I know it would be. I, I know people like to say that. This was my pastor's wife. She's a dancer. Um, but we ended up having a great ministry at, at Coast Hills um, uh, and, and, and being able to use the, the students from the dance studio and um, making, uh, just having a ministry where the advanced students would come to the to the church and, um, and, and perform. And they were so beautiful and so wonderful and so tasteful and all those things that you really want it to be were even, um, uh, people who thought that they would never enjoy dance in the church really enjoyed it. And it was, uh, just beautifully done and, um, choreographed so beautifully, um, uh, during those, those many years that we were there. Um, I've had a, a, some experiences in my life that have really uh, formulated a lot of, of who I've become. Um, I, I, in the last, um, well, <laughs> where do I start with this? But um, Denny and I have had some experiences lately. We've, uh, 
uh, in, in 2012, we lost three parents in six weeks. Um, it was the long goodbye. Um, before that, about two years of the long goodbye, and then my dad passed, and then two weeks later, Denny's dad passed. And then two weeks after that, my mom passed. And it was um, just a really, um, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how we survived it, actually. I'm not really sure. But it was uh, just, I have a lot of thought on that. And going through that experience at the time when we did uh, brought about um, just a whole, um, I think, preparing me and, and Denny for um, some of the things that God knew that we were going to be going through. I a little bit jumped over a step that I want to go back to, but in, um, in 2002, um, well, let me go back before that. So in, in 2000, we did something at our church that was something we'd never heard of another church doing. It was a dream that we'd had for 15 years where we asked, um, we gave out $100 to 100 people in our church. It was called The Kingdom Assignment. And um, we've actually written three books on the different assignments that we did in our church. But when we did the first one, it was just so crazy how it um, really took off. And um, I was the keeper of the stories. And so we videotaped and, and filmed each hundred of those people that, that did that. And then the, the news got a hold of it and a news article was written in the Aliso Viejo News. And then um, a story was written in the Orange County Register. And then um, it was in um, Christmas of 2000. It was right after, everything with the election, um, with Bush and Gore and the AP told us they were looking for a feel good story. And, um, so, uh, the day after Christmas, uh, got a call from them. And on the first day of January in two, in 2001, um, Denny's face <laughs> and our story about the kingdom assignment was on thousands of papers around the world. And it was a neat story. It was a great, they did a great job of telling our story of what happened with, with um, we hadn't even had, what we did when we gave out the money was we had to tell, we told them the money wasn't theirs. It was God's. They had to do something outside the walls of the church. And then they had to report back what they did 90 days with it. So we had not had our celebration yet, but stories were already starting to trickle in of the amazing things people were doing and how they were multiplying it. We took it from the parable of the talents and uh, where I always encourage people don't steer away from the scripture because the scripture in Matthew 25 um, uh, about the parable of the talents, that is really the key to this entire um assignment or idea that we had and um, really if you stick with the scripture I think the the ch life change that comes from it is is just mind-boggling but so they followed us so on the night of our celebration um, which was February 7th 2001 it was my mom's birthday I remember she was there and um, sitting in the front row her and my dad and um, we um, uh, we just were blown away by 
the enthusiasm and the excitement. But People Magazine was there, um, Dateline was there, um, and some news reporters. And so that story just really kept going on and on. Um, and it was amazing. Um, and um, we were on Oprah May of 2003. And um, she, you know, told our story like nobody can tell a story and um, filmed different, you know, stories in us and um, had us on the show. And it was really, really quite an experience. But um, I want to go back to I know I'm hopping around here, so sorry about that. But uh, in 2002, um, we, um, we, in 2001, we did another assignment where we asked people to sell something worth $100 and give the money to the poor. That was after 9-11. And then the next year, we asked people to give 90 minutes of time to whoever they consider the least of these. So we had those three assignments. But um, in 2002, I was asked to speak at a at a, um, um, it, well, it was a women's retreat up at Forest Home. And I was um, excited because it was the first time I had a product table because I had a book by Zondervan. And we actually had two books by Zondervan and I was very, very excited. Um, but I just had the, the, the first book there. And um, so I was speaking and I had a product table so excited and so anyway I um after the first night I spoke I set up my product table and um the next day the woman who was directing it she said hey can we have one of your books for our raffle I'm like sure so took the first book um Kingdom Assignment what will you do with the talents God has given you opened up the first page and I signed it uh you know may God you know uh, richly bless you as you, you know, accomplish your kingdom assignments in your life and and gave it to her. And then uh, the woman who won it came back later with it that evening. She said, isn't your book about giving $100 to 100 people? I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. She goes, you know what? The one I got, it's all about the sufferings of Job. I'm like, what? So I open it. And sure enough, it's our book, our cover, only one in the box, only one we ever found. It was the book of Job was inside our book. And <laughs> it's emotional for me because it kind of radically changed my life. Um, I, I, besides it just putting a chill up my spine and being like, whoa, this is crazy. It was... Um, it wasn't Zondervan. It was Nav Press. It was by Eugene H. Peterson. It was um, The Sufferings of Job. And it basically was just uh, the book of Job uh, from um, the translation of the message. And I just showed it around and called Zondervan and called Nav Press and called Eugene Peterson and tried to see where this thing came from. But it was inside our cover. And um, I just kind of put it on the shelf. I just really couldn't understand. But it was after that that I started really having a Job journey. And um, I, it started with criticism. I started getting criticized. Um, and I just kept, I remember my girls were in the room one night when I got a phone call from somebody 
and um and I and and they were like mom that was so mean and I'm like no 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 this is good this is good I, I need to learn how to be better in this area blah 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 and um but I'll never forget it it was piercing and um so just keeping my chin up after that I remember I started having a lot of physical pain um I my elbows and and my and my hands and um just a lot of physical things happen to me I have and uh, we I want to talk about give a whole um, episode on this but I've had panic attacks since I was eight years old so it was um, but I hadn't had them in years and so it was just the, kind of the beginning of really good spiraling and so continued you know doing life um, we were doing a lot with the kingdom assignment, doing a lot with church. Church was going great at the time, but Denny was Denny was suffering with some criticism too. He was getting criticized, I was getting criticized, and it was making it life, you know, just just little things that were causing um just some hurt. And um I had emergency gallbladder surgery um in 2003 after we were on Oprah, I remember, and um, that was a real surprise, and I didn't get over it. I, everybody was like, I remember the pamphlet, it was like, you will be just fine after you, um, you know, this will just be a couple of days, and you'll be up and around. I'm like, no. I, I remember three, four months later, I was um, really, really suffering, and um and we had made a decision at that point of, of Denny stepping down and continuing to preach, but, but um, we wanted them to look for the, the person that would um, carry on after, after Denny. Um, so we, we were there for um, another year and a half after that. So it was that kind of submitting to the whole idea of losing a little bit of that identity know a lot of the identity that I had as a senior pastor's wife so it was just a quite a bit of turmoil that I was going to going through and um, it was my birthday and Denny surprised me by taking me to see my favorite thing so this is March of uh, 2004 now and um, his my favorite thing favorite thing was Cirque du Soleil and so um, as I was walking in, and I, 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 other things were going on. There were a million other things going on, too, that was causing some turmoil. I had had some dental work, and I, my mouth didn't feel right, and other things were happening. And, um, and so I, uh, but as we walked in, this guy said, hey, for your tickets and, um, and $30, um, you can have front row. And we were like, wow, can I write you a check? He's like, oh, sure, you can write me a check. <laughs> so I bet I had my checkbook. That's weird. Who carries their checkbook anymore? Anyway, uh, this was the olden days in 2004. So I wrote him a check, gave him a check. And he said, uh, and he gave us these seats. We switched tickets. And they were the best seats in the house. They were just right there. We were right. I could touch the stage. And being a dance instructor and just loving you know, dance and all the stuff that goes with Cirque du Soleil. Um, it was really like, couldn't wait to get home and tell people, you know, what a great birthday gift this was. So about right before intermission, um, 
these dancers came out. They were amazing. And then this guy came out that looked like the devil or Darth Vader or something. And he was shooting fire out of his arms. And he started, um, I was watching him. And then he started acting very strange and skipping around the edge of the stage. He was looking at his hands like that they were, you know, something was wrong. And um, all of a sudden his back was to me and I thought he was going to fly. I figured he's got it. He's going to fly. And he fell, put his arms out and fell right back on me. And um, I, my head snapped back and um, I felt immediate pain at the top of my head, which I'm still learning what that was all about. But, um, and the, he fell forward and I remember looking into his eyes through his mask that looked terrible. That was awful. <laughs> it looked just like this mean mask. And um, I, uh, I, he got, they came and took him away. And, and uh, anyway, this ended up, I got a bulging disc in my neck and ended my dance career. I, um, I was going through, um, so much physical pain, but they took it all the way to a jury trial. It didn't end up getting anywhere settled at all um, uh, until 2007. So that was three years. And it was uh, just one of the most crazy, (laughs) painful experiences of my life, but funny. I mean, who has a real clown fall on them? (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) it was like a living fiery dart. So, I'm really kind of jumping around here and I'm sorry about that, but I want to give you kind of a picture of different subject matters and things that I'm going to be talking about over the next many episodes that I want to be doing. But one is chronic pain. I got, um, I had myofascial pain syndrome. I had fibromyalgia. Um, I've now formed a team of people that I can go to when I, when I start dealing with a lot of these problems, but um, it all started when um, this whole thing of getting having the book of Job put in my book, in our book. And I know that um, somebody reminded me that, you know, Satan roamed the earth and said, you know, uh, what about your servant Job? And, and God gave him, said, you can't kill him, but um, he, you know, he won't deny me. And believed and trusted that Job would not deny him. And so a lot of the things that Job went through, and I I can't go into everything, but I experienced and, you know, realizing, one, that God trusted me, maybe that much, knowing how much Satan hated the kingdom assignment, because it is so, so powerful. And um, just a test, a test that I never, ever, ever dreamed I would have to go through. And I just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, so I still deal with a lot of that. I still deal with and, and have to manage that, but it's a, um, it's, it's really just a, a topic that, um, I feel like I can really talk to. And I feel like I have overcome uh, many of of those things and have have answers for people which 
uh, we'll talk about in a, in a later episode. Um, in the middle of that, if you can believe this, um, we um, got a, a ministry with American Idol. <laughs> and um, I'm just going to tell this to you really quick. I know it's going to be hard to follow. Um, it's actually in a book called American Idol, The Untold Story, and it is chapter 17 called The Pastor. Um, and he did, um, he told my story, kind of. It's not exactly right, but it's um, somewhat close. And I was um, uh, praying for one of the contestants on, on American Idol and um, just was really totally blown away by her, thought she was incredible. Um, at the time, Denny was at a church preaching. This was in 2006. We had now left Coast Hills and we were at a church called Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena. And um, he was preaching there and um, I had prayed for this contestant's contestant and I had actually Googled her to see kind of what her story was. Anyway, we... Um, we were at church one Sunday and this cute couple came up to, to me and said, hey, this is our first Sunday here. We loved hearing you and or hearing Denny and today and we're, we're going to be back. We really loved it. And, and so we just kind of connected a little bit. Two weeks later, they came up to the front of the church where I was sitting and said, hey, we'd like to get together for coffee with with you and, um, and Denny and um can, could we exchange numbers? So sure, 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 exchange numbers. And I, of course, remembered them. And um, he's, then I remember turning away, and then he, he said, will you pray for her? And I turned around and said, sure. And he goes, um, do you watch American Idol? And I, I remember my face completely turning red because I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't miss American Idol, of course. And, um, you know, the name being American Idol, that was always kind of weird, you know, all that, you know, anyway, we won't go into that. Um, but uh, so I said, yeah, and he, he said, well, she's going to be on American Idol. And the person that was standing there was the person that I'd been praying for. And I about passed out. I really, I think I just went so fuzzy. And I said, I have been praying for you. I've I've Googled you. <laughs> and um, that ended up becoming an amazing relationship. And it really was after I heard the Lord say to me, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but I heard the Lord say to me to the backstage of American Idol, because I, in the middle of my pain, I stood up at one point and I said, here I am, Lord, send me. I just felt like I wasn't accomplishing anything in my life. And... Um, and I heard to the backstage of American Idol. And uh, here I was kind of face to face with this person. And um, it it turned into me going to the backstage of American Idol. <laughs> I, um, I worked for my nephew um, for years, helping him with um, uh, the, the swag lounges for Hollywood. And so I would meet celebrities um, and um, I hired the escorts to help them walk through these, the swag lounges. And, um, and it was um, after I had had several experiences already with American Idol, 
and been up close and personal and had already kind of been backstage, I was uh, one of the judges had come through uh, the lounge and I started praying for her. And um, I said, Lord, if you want me to meet her, then you're going to have to set it up. And so sure enough, um, all of a sudden I was standing next to her and um, she, we started chatting about American Idol. And I, there were several kids that I knew that were on that, that year. And I told her my story and how I had met this other contestant and how they, she had asked me to pray for her. And, and she, right there, she said, will you pray for me? And so in the middle of the Four Seasons Hotel, um, I prayed for her. And everybody in this prayer circle, there was a little prayer circle that formed around us. And um, after, after that, she, um, she said, I want you at every show praying for me in the audience. And so for a whole year, I went as, um, as her guest. Um, and I got to go into the green room and that's when I met some of the kids and I said, how can I help you? And the first one was, um, a kid who said, Hey, I've only seen my wife for 10 minutes. Can you pick her up at the airport? And that really was the beginning. And I, I, it's now been, um, it's now been, let's see, um, I, it was eight seasons that we had over a hundred contestants and family members live with us and um, in Orange County, actually. <laughs> and it was pretty wild and pretty crazy. And I'm, um, it's, it's in this book, but I'm the book that I talked about earlier, but it's also, I'm, I'm writing my own book about it. And um, it was pretty wild, but I am um, in the midst of that. And then going through the physical pain that I was going through was a real um, testing time. Um, there's so much more to say. I'm getting close to my to my 40 minute, 45 minute time here, and I don't want to go too long because uh, it's um, it, it it it'll get too long. You you you'll be done. You'll be like I don't want to listen anymore. Um, but in, in the next few minutes, I want to tell you a little bit where I am at today. I have, um, we have been, I, I call my husband the church whisperer because he was helped several churches um, kind of get back on their feet after going through maybe losing their senior pastor and he would go and preach there for two years and help them find their new senior pastor and then, and then move on to the next church. And that was awesome. And, um, but, you know, just being with people and um, going through some different stresses, um, I, I understand why um, there's burnout. And I, of course, absolutely experienced that. I don't, I don't deal with depression too much, but I do deal with anxiety. And that has been a, a, a real battle of mine of dealing with panic attacks where you think you're dying for sure. And um, I um, have I'm sometimes on top of it. So like right now, I feel a little bit like I'm, I'm kind of in a good season, but it is um, something that I definitely want to talk more about and have um, people talk about their experience and how um, that can be helped. 
Um, but uh, I had a sneaky suspicion about Denny about mm, about five years ago. And um, his grandfather had Alzheimer's, his dad had Alzheimer's, and I started no really noticing that he was um, really suffering when he preached. Um, he was having a hard time finding his words, and he even would look to me in sitting in the front row on what he was supposed to say next. And um, talk about stress. I mean, it was super st a stressful time. And I dealt with a lot of very um, uh, condescending, I think I'd say, um, um, doctors that did not um, just did, did not consider um, uh, <laughs> they did they they just didn't want to believe it that Denny had it and and they would give like a little cursory test and he would do fine and um, it was just really a hard hard time for me of noticing it and seeing it but not really having much support um, from anybody and so finally um, I got connected with a guy by the name of Dr. Kent Prepard, and he cared about me and he wanted to know my story and what I saw and what I was seeing and then he tested Denny and um, we found out that he had MCI, mild cognitive impairment, and that was a beginning. And then he connected us with a neurologist that did a test uh, scan that actually he would Denny was the last one who got this test in Orange County. It was a part of a, a trial, I guess, a little bit. And he, um, I'll never forget the day, November 30th, 2017, um, when they passed over that paperwork and told Denny that he had Alzheimer's. And uh, he started even breathing different. I could tell he was really taken back just to hear those words. But as we left and I gave him a big hug and asked how he was doing and I remember us getting into the car and I said, hey buddy, you know what? You They could have just said you had cancer and you have three months to live or you're gonna have to have a bunch of surgeries or tests or whatever. And you know what? He doesn't need to see you for another six months. And um, we are going to live this out loud and we are going to um, find um, all kinds of solutions but I want people to get the best of you right now and so we're not going to put um, baby in a corner and have you just kind of um, um, not let people know what's going on we're going to live it out loud so on my Facebook page, December 29th, 2017. You're welcome to go to it and friend request me. Um, it's Lisa, L-E-E-S-A, Belesi, B-E-L-L-E-S-I. And, um, but on that day, I, I told our story. And from there on out, if you read up from there, you will just, you won't believe the stuff God has done in our lives. I mean, we have uh, can't come up with solutions and lived life out loud. We actually got a house that was featured on, on Fixer Upper, and you've got to read that story. It's on my Facebook. 
And um, you can also follow me at Lisa, L-E-E-S-A, 333. No, sorry. No, that's wrong. Lisa, L-E-E-S-A, B, is in Belessi, 333. So Lisa B, 333 on Instagram, if you'd like to follow me there. And um, I, uh, we decided, yeah, to live this out loud. So I am a full-time caregiver, and that is a thing, I'm telling you. And um, so I'm going to get more into stuff about the church and everything in future episodes, um, which I had a whole plan of, of talking about that, but there's no more time. So um, I will get a chance to talk about some of my some of my, I, I love the church. I break for churches. I am a huge fan of, of God's church and little churches, medium-sized, big churches, mega churches. I love them all. And so, um, but there are a few things that I'm, I'm curious about and, and want to tackle a little bit on the way that staff is treated and, um, different different things that that I'm seeing that are becoming a little too corporate for me and I would love to see uh, the church really handle it differently so I would love to talk about that that's going to be in the future so I usually at the end of these things I pray over the person that I'm doing the interview but I am going to ask that you pray for me and um I don't always have the patience that I need to have to be a caregiver. <laughs> I have just this morning. It was, I had a difficult situation. And um, so I would love that prayer. And um, so anyway, I look forward to talking to you. I just, I'm just a few minutes over, but I'm looking forward to talking to you in the future and to sharing more stories. I want to hear your story and um, I hope that um, this can be just a total blessing to, to you and to, um, and to anyone who's listening that wants to know a little bit more about pastor's wives' journeys and what they go through and, and their own journey. I mean, I, it, you know, uh, you don't have to be in full-time ministry to, um, to be, you know, feel like you're in full-time ministry. <laughs> um, and, and that's um, the case for a lot of people that are um, just even volunteering with the church. So um, I love you. And um, I love that, um, that I'm able to do this. This has been a real uh, blessing and highlight for me. So God bless you. And um, may you uh, continue to grow in Christ and, um, and find new ways to find joy and, and blessing within your world that you're living in. And God bless you. Bye-bye.